Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Scott Walker laid along and turned back by Travis Konechny. A stretch pass and a breakaway for Lawton right in. He scores! Scott Lawton wins it in overtime. Yeah, it's a football show, but hockey is back. It almost has a video game feel to it without fans with those seats covered up. Flyers beat the Penguins in an exhibition. It doesn't count the standings, Flyers fans, so don't gloat too much. You'll have your chance to play the Penguins for real coming up. The thing gets rolling this weekend, but Chris, you know, the sports are creeping back one after another into our national consciousness. It's coming up. We're going to see it, and it's all a precursor to what we hope to see September 10, and then the 13th, and then the 14th, the first week of football. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see. I mean, you know, this is what I want. Want I need sports, need something other than Netflix and Hulu and everything else in the world to download. I need some live action TV, please, other than the news. I'm sick of that, too, so... Uh, it is good, and hopefully uh, it seems like the NFL, NHL is doing things the right way, and hopefully that's something our sport can continue to look at the leagues that are doing it wrong and the ones that are doing it right, and we can do more right than wrong in the NFL and, and keep that going. I've also been scouring the TV listings very carefully, NBCSN, the primary NBC channel. I've checked Peacock. I've looked everywhere for the listings for the upcoming trip to the shooting range. Because apparently today, by all indications, it's gun show day. Good Lord, can you find a shirt that fits? I didn't know what you were going. What do you mean? This fits me perfect. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, but the guns do look good today. I can't lie. Ooh, baby, look at those triceps, too. Yep, got it going. Sun's out, guns out. That's what my old uh, Brandon Stokely used to say, who I played receiver with in Denver. Sun's out, guns out. So I'm going by that today. It's sun's well, out here. I- <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have a feeling Brandon Stokely didn't come up with that. Maybe he would have come up with something like Pardon My French, but not Suns Out, Guns Out. I don't know. It's been around for a while. I know. And I wouldn't use 
with you specifically, I wouldn't use suns out, guns out, because based upon your complexion, suns out is something that apparently never happened. Oh. Guns out, yes. Well, suns out, no. You should see my kids. My kids, of course, are my wife's 100% Sicilian. My, my ki- people see me with my kids sometimes, and they're like, Wait, they're so tan and dark right now, and then here I am, yeah, whitey, walking down the street. <laughs> it's like, are they your kids, or who the hell are they? They got a great tan and couldn't be darker, and here I am just red and got, like, white stuff all over my face, you know, trying to wear 50, 50 sunscreen. The Mark Zuckerberg look for Chris Sims. <laughs> yes, He's out walking exactly. around the mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. All right, <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Rodney Harrison's going to join us later in the program with some discussion about best safeties in the NFL and also get his thoughts on the biggest topic right now in the National Football League just two days ago there was one player who had exercised the privilege to opt out of the 2020 season as a concession to the pandemic and the concerns that players have the health issues they may have the family issues they may have and it was one guy and there were people around the league who were speculating and estimating as of Monday that the ultimate total of players who opt out would be in the single digits. Well, as of right now, there's more than 25 who have opted out, Chris, and it's been one after another after another after another, and a bunch of Patriots are out. Devin Funches is out. That, I think, is one of the biggest names, even though he hasn't played for the Packers yet. Yeah. was one of the reasons why they didn't draft a receiver. Yeah, how's that and draft Kevin go Funches now? That draft doesn't seem as good now. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Now we don't. We're, we're, we're minus one more receiver. But you're right. That one, even though he hasn't played, you're right. It does jump out, you know, along with a bunch of others. I mean, certainly. I mean, I think the one thing we're seeing, we see a little bit of a trend of big guys, right? That's one thing that jumps out to me. Defensive tackles. Don't know what their issues are or whatever, but obviously there's a concern there, and we've heard. The, the issues are they're, no, they're, they're big, big guys. I know, B- right, BMI, right. BMI, Chris, in excess of 30, body mass index yeah. in excess of 30 is one of the risk factors for dying from this. Right. Right? The bigger you are, the, the greater the chance of a serious outcome yeah. or a worst-case scenario. So that's the motivation for a lot of these guys. Michael Pierce, for example, the Vikings right. defensive lineman, the run stuffer, who replaces Linval Joseph, he Ooh. opts out. He's got health issues. He's a big man. And now the Vikings have to look elsewhere. I mean, this is something that potentially every team is going to have to deal with. And a team like the Patriots is going to have to deal with for a bunch of different guys. No, I, I know. You know, I mean, yeah, you think about the Vikings. They lose a player. You replace them. And now you go, whoa, we're going to be – We not only are we not replacing Linval Joseph, but the guy we brought in to replace him, he can't play. Now we're really thin at that position. So, yeah, Michael Pierce, Eddie Goldman for the Chicago Bears – one of the best nose tackles in all of football. That's a huge blow to their team. Star Loto Lele with Buffalo. You know, the cold front defense there. He's going to be a big part of that, not there. And then, of course, New England, like you're saying. And, you know, some shocking names out of New England. Of course, Marcus Cannon, we know he has the health issues. That's That hurts. But the ones that really jump out, of course, are Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung. You know, Brandon Bolden, a special teams extraordinaire. You know, one of those guys Belichick loves because he's a Swiss Army knife. He can play receiver, running back, special teams, do it all. But, man, when I think about Hightower and Chung, not a part of that defense this year, in a year where, hey, it is Cam Newton, there's going to be a few bumps in the road on the offensive side of the ball. There was bumps in the road last year. But Chung, Hightower, you know, we've seen videos and heard Belichick talk about, you know, they can come up with adjustments and call defenses and make adjustments that might not even have been in that weekly game plan because maybe they didn't expect the offense to do something. 
but they know because years and years in the system and hearing Bill talk and, and everybody else that they knew what, what proper adjustments should be made. So I look at that as being some of the, the two shocking ones to me. Also because I know how much those two love football and uh, that must have you know, been a very tough decision, but that, that's a tough loss for the Patriots who are going to have to play through their defense, I would think, early in the year if we do play football. And Chris, for the most part, I have not noticed any blowback for the players who are making this gut-wrenching decision to sit out all of 2020. And remember, once it's official, it's irrevocable. And I'm glad to see that. Look, this is an intensely personal decision. We respect and support the ability of a player to walk away from the sport that he loves, to walk away from the money that goes along with it, to enter a year of uncertainty where you have to sit back. Remember, you've told me before how it felt to have to watch football the first year that you weren't part of football and how yeah. hard that is. Yeah. You're watching the train rolling away from you with no guarantee you're going to be able to catch up to the train next year because we know how this goes. Right. If Dante Hightower's replacement is just good enough where dollar for dollar it makes more sense to keep him instead of Dante Hightower next year, Bill Belichick's not going to pay Dante Hightower $8 million next year. Same thing for Patrick Chung. They find somebody else who can come in and get it done, and right. that's a guy who's – and, and here's, the, here's where it gets a little bit dicey because, on one hand, these teams need to respect the decisions made by the players to opt out. On the other hand, Chris, you know it and I know it. There's going to be a temptation for the coaches to say, for the guys who are there, you chose to be here this year. Yeah, you no chose doubt. To no doubt. This risk. You chose to go to battle with your teammates, and that, consciously or not, is going to be a feather in those guys' caps next year. It shouldn't be yeah. to the detriment of the guys who opted out. But you know how it works. It will be. No, it, it will be. You, you know, and, and you know everything you've said so far there and that last point. It, it's all true. You know, Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, they're getting to that point of their careers too, where you know Hightower's in year nine. Okay, yeah, we, you know these are two positions that we know the Patriots collect. You know, so many players, linebackers, so many versatile players that way. Safety. They got a, a whole cabinet full of them, too, to match up against every type of guy in, in football. But, you know, yeah, they're, they're at risking at the point where, oh, they might be, you're right, never back in the league, and we'll see where it goes. And some of the other guys, unless they're superstars, yeah, they're going to – unless they have, I, I think, a huge health concern – they're, they're not going to be looked at in a positive manner. Like, people are going to respect it, but they're going to be like, ah, oh, I mean, come on, he didn't play. Well, I mean, so I think there is going to be some of that talk with for the coaches and the players. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's a tough one. Something, I, so, just to be clear, yeah. something that's never articulated publicly. Right, exactly right. The kind of, just, you know, we, 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 it's all, the kind, we all. It's the kind of thing where, like, the group of five guys playing Xbox, right, who are really close friends on the team or whatever, yeah. they're, they're sitting around having a beer and they know, okay, I can't say this to the whole team, but these are my best friends on the team. Can you believe he's not here and playing with us this year? I can't believe he did that. Yes, yeah, some of that is going to go on for sure. We all experience that. We all potentially engage in that from time to time. Let's be realistic. There's yeah. the thing we'll say to someone because we don't want to have the awkward interaction. We know that being candid and, and blunt is not the best way to go. And then when there's an opportunity to talk to somebody else behind the curtain, you say what you really think. 
And that may happen here. There may be that disconnect of, oh, we, we really respect him. He's doing the right thing for himself and his family. Can you believe? Can you, right. Can you, we're, we're here. Where's he? Yeah. Right? I'd love to be sitting home all year. You know, that kind of stuff. That's human nature. That's going to be part of this equation. John Schneider, the Seahawks GM, appeared yesterday on the Peter King podcast. And Schneider was asked if he thought players were worried about that stigma of letting the team down if they opted out. Here's what Schneider had to say. During the summer, through all these negotiations and everything, I don't think that, you know, the, the fo- football fans across the country probably don't understand how many uh, calls, you know, the union's been on with their players and the league and the union and going back and forth. So I think there's been enough discussion where, you know, players are going to respect each other's feelings about opting out or, or going for it and playing and, and you know, trying to, Tried to trying to respect each other with all the rules that we have set in place now with with uh, you know all this all this all these COVID protocols because I just think it's a obviously we need to do the best job we possibly can and and you know learn from Major League Baseball and and the NHL and and um, you know the NBA you know we're I've been in contact with the M- NBA teams NHL teams we have other people that have you know uh, Major League Baseball contacts so we're doing whatever we can to take the correct precautions and I don't think players are going to have any animosity towards each other. Apples to apples is baseball because the NBA has a bubble. The NHL has a bubble. MLS has a bubble. The NFL can't as a practical matter at this point, have a bubble. You could make the argument. It was never practical and never would have been practical for the NFL to have a true bubble where everyone was isolated in one location. So that's what makes baseball more relevant. And we see what's going on in baseball this week. Although the good news for baseball, it looks like the Marlins outbreak didn't spread to the Phillies, even though they played them right. for three days to start the season. But they're not pressed on top of each other. They're not right across from each other. They're not spitting and sweating and breathing and bleeding on each other like football players do. That's the grand experiment when football starts. But, you know, Chris, look, the bottom line is, as we said, they're just going to have to deal with it even if they don't like it. And it's, it occurred to me earlier when we showed the list of the guys who have opted out. I think from a coaching and front office standpoint, you have to treat each of the guys who opt out like they had a torn ACL the first day of practice. It's the same thing. And it, it doesn't happen with this frequency. You don't have 25 torn ACLs the first day of camp. But that's essentially what it is. We have a guy who we know he's gone for the year, and we know it at the start of camp, and we can make a plan, and we have to make a plan. Let's go. Yeah. And coaches have all had to do that. It's just this year they're going to have to do it potentially more than ever before. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to be ready for everything. And you know, and, and not only just one, two, three guys. You're right, a whole position group, whatever it may be. I mean, yeah. Uh, hey, this is, this is weird times. I certainly respect you know, the players and what they got to do. I, you know, to me, like I want to ask you personally. Like I could never, I know I could never do that. I, I couldn't, I wouldn't sit out football this year unless I knew I had a really, you know, big time health issue. I understand, you know, the Marcus Cannons and, you know, the body mass index, certainly a real thing. I'm just saying me as Chris Sims, if I was back in the NFL right now as a quarterback, the thing that would scare me more than anything is something you said at the start of the show. I'd be more scared of sitting on my couch on Sunday and going, damn, football happened. They're playing. It's a full year. Not that many guys are getting sick. And it's week eight, and I'm sitting here on my butt on the couch. And that would be like a nightmare for me, I, I, at least. You know, And I know everybody's different, but I think there's a lot of guys in football that look at it the same way, where they just go, man, we're playing football. 
I'm going to be there. And I don't know if there's much that could stop me other than, you know, you know, really the fact of just, yes, death in itself. And I had a really serious condition to go along with it. But uh, I respect it. It's tough. And, yeah, teams are going to have to deal with this. And, Mike, the other thing I just think of is this is why, like, hey, I mean, everybody better be ready this year in the NFL. I mean, you could be the 25th best team in football, and there could be a few outbreaks with a few teams, and, damn, you're back in, you know, the playoff contention or whatever it may be. And it's going to make, you know, I think the competitive balance even more competitive this year maybe if we continue to have little outbreaks here and there and here and there and, of course, guys not playing altogether. Well, there won't be competitive balance because they aren't going to worry about that. But the reality is you got 16 teams, seven get in, nine don't. The chances of being one of the seven are dramatically increased because you're right. You could be three games back with four games to play from that last playoff spot. And all of a sudden, the team that's holding that last playoff spot loses 20 of its regulars right. and they fall apart. You know, it's kind of like the dynamic of the replacement three week window in 1987 but it can pop up at any time for any team. And a team that has everything moving in the right direction can have it all fall apart in December and miss the playoffs altogether. Or you could roll into the postseason, 14-2, and two, number one seed. Uh-oh, here's the outbreak. Happy New Year. Here it goes. And you have nobody that, well, not you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you have an outbreak you. and you have right. key players gone right. for the division round game and you get knocked out of the postseason. I yeah. think it adds to the drama and the right. uncertainty. Right, that's what I meant and by it. Yeah, yeah, right. Chris, I, I want to I respond to something you said about yeah. that, that notion of sitting on the couch all year and seeing football go on without you. I wonder how many of the guys who are opting out, other than the ones who have real medical issues, serious medical issues, the high-risk opt-outs, Yep. Are they hedging their bets here? Are they looking at this saying, right. I don't think this is going to work, and I'd rather not be part of it if it's not going to work. Right. My prediction is they're not going to get a full season in. My prediction is they're going to pull the plug on this thing some point mid to late September or October. Why do I want to be there for training camp? Why do I want to take these risks? I if, wondered. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, right. it's just not going to happen, or it's not going to be – a full season. It's going to be a complete season where every team plays four regular season games. Whatever the case may be, there's too much chaos. There's too much uncertainty. I don't want to be in a situation where we play a game one week and then have three weeks until our next game and never quite know when we're going to play or where we're going to play or who we're going to be playing against or who's going to be lining up next to me. You know, this reminds me of something Rodney Harrison told me four or five weeks ago during our hiatus we had him on the PFTPM podcast. He said, you got enough to worry about as a professional football player. You got your job to do. You got to process the playbook. You got to know your role. You got to know how you interact with everyone else. You're constantly thinking about that. And now on top of it, you're worried about the guy next to you. You're worried about where are you going to get COVID. You're worried about are you going to take it home to your family. You're worried about all this other stuff that you ordinarily don't have to worry about. And I think for some of these guys, it may just be you look at it and – the problem is you got to make the decision now. Yeah. So you're projecting, you're guessing, you're speculating, you're estimating. But I think some of these guys are saying, I got a bad feeling about this. So I'm just, I'm out. And and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you know what? I may be right. I I, I mean, I, it crossed my mind. Certainly. Yeah. They, are they hedging? Are they calling the NFL's bluff? Yeah. They don't know what's going to happen. Are they, you know, going to get... You know, uh, they figure there are guys that figured maybe I'm not going to make a team this year. Who knows? I'll just collect some money. They're not going to really ask me for the money back next year. 
I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. All those things have crossed my mind, certainly. But that's a dangerous game to play, as we know, because there's some guys here on this list where I want to go, ooh, man, you know, you're not, I, you're not guaranteed to ever play football again. You know, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, Devin Funches would be a guy that I would look at and go, well, you didn't play last year. You know, it, it didn't end great in Carolina two years ago, and now you don't play again this year. You know, teams aren't going to be lining up to sign Devin Funches next year. And, and, I, I'm, and again, I'm not trying to get into his personal life, totally respect his decision. I'm just using him as an example of just, hey, being around football all my life, this is how coaches think. Man, he hasn't played football in two years. I don't want him on my team. Oh, he hasn't played football in two years. I don't know. Have you seen it? Is there any tape of him in the last two years? Nope. Okay, then I don't care about him. You know, that's what some of these guys are certainly going to have to uh, worry about. They're rolling the dice on that aspect of it, let alone the other part where we talked about where, yeah, I think privately you'll have coaches and players who will be a little bit pissed that that guy wasn't in the trenches with them if we do have the season and everything like that. So uh, there are a lot of factors here. And, um, you know, again, I don't want to sound disrespectful to anybody who's sitting out. I no, you're not. Yeah. You're not. No. Look, here's the reality. We see this every year. When a guy gets injured and is gone for the year, it's out of sight, out of mind, and someone else steps in. You know, all the hand-wringing about whether or not the undrafted free agents are going to have a fair shake to make the roster. At the end of the day, there's 53 guys per team. Yeah. At the end of the, like, you know, the idea, well, Adam Thielen never would have made it onto the Vikings. Well, you know what? We would have never noticed. We would have known who Adam Thielen is. That's how it works. You have the guys who make the team, the guys who earn the starting jobs. Those are the ones who generate the statistics. Those are the ones that you get on your fantasy team. Those are the ones we see highlights of. And there's always going to be those guys. And if you're not part of that, it just keeps going without you. Right. We saw it with Ben Roethlisberger last year. We saw it with Cam Newton last year. Right. That's the way it works. So for all these guys who are choosing to opt out, the train keeps rolling, and you've got to find a way to scramble back onto it next year. For some guys, it'll be easy. For some guys, it won't be easy, and it may be over. And this year that you choose to take off a year from now, assuming the pandemic's gone by then, and let's hope that it's gone by then, we don't know what the mindset of the coach is going to be. It very well could be that these coaches have greater loyalty to the guys who chose to be there yeah. than the guys who chose to not be there, even though everyone is supporting and respecting the decisions of the guys to not be there. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's exactly right. You're right. I mean, I think the old, the ones with the, the real, real health concerns, like a Marcus Cannon who has, who's had cancer, right? I don't think there will be any personal, you know, mean thoughts towards those situations. But like, like we've talked about, everything else, I think it's going to be a little question, certainly. And, Mike, here's something else that just – because you brought up baseball, and I keep coming back to this. And, and hear me out here, and you think – I know I'm crazy, but just to let me know if you think this is totally, like, crazy. All right. We saw this weekend. Baseball's going, right? But we've had four teams who can't play because they've had an outbreak, right? They're going to figure out how to make these games up. It's baseball. It's not that hard to do. Uh, and, and, so, yes, that's great. But I still come back to what if we've played six weeks in the NFL and you have four or five teams in a given week all of a sudden that come out and they can't play a game in week seven, right? It's Everybody's six games in, it's week seven, and now we have four or five teams that can't play, right? And then the next week after that, it's two or three teams. You know, how are they going to do that? You know, and this is where my mind's going and this is where I want you to think I'm crazy, should we just count those as forfeits? Like, hey, you had an outbreak on your team. It's a forfeit. You lost. I'm sorry. Does that add incentive to make players not want to be crazy off the field or do anything like that? I'm just throwing this out there. Do you, you, yeah. I see you shaking I, your head I, no. I, 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 because Peter King and I have talked about this, and he's written about it in Football Morning in America. 
I think it's more likely that games would be postponed, that they're not going to find a team at fault. Hey, you can't field a team, so you forfeit. It's not like the Little League team that only shows up with seven yeah, kids. right. This is through no fault of your own. In the middle of a pandemic, we can't stage the game because we're deeming you not to have enough healthy players to play and to protect the players who are on the field. So we're going to try to play this game week 18 or week 19. That seems to be which way the wind is blowing okay. with the commissioner having wide latitude to decide yeah. when a game gets postponed and when it doesn't. That's what concerns me because that wide latitude can easily be misused or at least used in a way that causes reasonable minds to differ. And you could have Patriots fans saying, here he is screwing us again, right. making us play without our starting yeah. offensive line. But the Chiefs get to to postpone their game yeah. because we have to protect Patrick Mahomes. I could see those kinds of issues come up. I don't think the NFL cares. The objective is to get the games in, and there will be, I think, a trigger that gets games postponed without a forfeit, without a cancellation, but if they can't get the games in... That's what I. That's where I at, just go. Like, but, if there's but, too many, but, but, and then you, never, so but, but, you have one team that plays so, 12 games and another team that plays nine games, how are we going to figure that and, out? And we determine playoff position based on win-loss percentage, yeah. period. Okay. Now. You know, as long as it's within one, two, or three games, it's right. okay. But if one team plays four and another team plays 16, then we're yeah. getting ridiculous. But that's not, right. yeah, not yeah, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. One last point to keep in mind. Yeah. The opt-out deadline has widely been reported as Monday, August 3rd. The truth is this. The clock on the opt-out officially runs seven days from the signing of the side agreement that amends the collective bargaining agreement. That hasn't been signed yet. So... Right now, this moment, the earliest that the opt-out window will close is next Wednesday, August 5. So guys have more time to go to the facility, see how it feels, monitor the situations, see what's happening in baseball or other sports before they make that final decision. I think they should have all the way up until week one, frankly, to make that final decision. Or maybe even after the first regular season game, how does it feel to go on the road? How does it feel to play in a game? During a pandemic, the NFL wants that door closed sooner than later. But, Chris, the reality is this. The door's not closing until at the earliest next Wednesday. So guys have two more days than we thought they were going to have. And if they don't get this side agreement signed today, they're going to have three more days than we thought. And every hour counts when you're talking about making this decision that you cannot take back. There is no mulligan. There is no I didn't take my hand off the checker. Once you do it, you're done for the year Period, Chris. Period. That's what's amazing. That's why I'm amazed. So many guys have done it now. Right. Why do it right I, now? I, I, I mean, yeah. other than you just right. don't want to show up. Like I only want to go into the facility. I'm doing it now. I can understand that. Over the course of the next week, though, let's see. If you're thinking about it right now and you're already reported, wait until the absolute last minute. Wait. You get all the information you can, and and make that decision at the last possible Agreed. moment uh, because once you make it, you're done. Yeah, no, totally agree. I, that, that's what, at least what I would do. I would wait, you know, let's see. Let's see how it plays out. Let me gather all the information you can get and go from there. Um, but, hey, you know, there's more time for some of these guys to figure it out. We'll see where it goes. All right, and in a time of anything but normalcy for the NFL, we have something that is very normal and very usual but very eye-opening. The Cha pandemic is threatening to break the NFL's back. The Chargers break the bank for Joey Bosa. We'll break down a record-setting deal for a defensive player all time when PFC Live continues right after this.
Joey Bosa, third overall pick in the 2016 draft. Chris, remember this? He held out deep into his rookie training camp and preseason. And I think that memory resonated for the Chargers because Joey Bosa is a guy who's not going to screw around. Entering the final year of his contract, has four years in, was due to make $14.36 million this year in his option year. The Chargers, out of the blue, break the bank. Nobody even knew the conversations were happening. Tom Telesco, the GM, downplayed any talk of player contracts when he met with reporters on Monday. And here it comes on Tuesday night. Five-year, $135 million extension. That's $27 million per year in new money. When you throw in the final year of his rookie deal, he's at almost $25 million per year from signing on a six-year deal. It is amazing when you consider he went $2 million per year over Miles Garrett in new money. He's left Khalil Mack at 23 and Aaron Donald at 22.5 in the dust. And look, one of the things that makes this deal so good is we still haven't seen Joey Bosa fulfill his full potential yet. 51 games out of 64. He's never had more than 12 and a half sacks in any one season. He averages 0.78 sacks per game, which is very good. But he's across from Melvin Ingram. So I, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, that they're paying for potential here, not for production, not for what he's done, because there's plenty of guys who've had 12 and a half sacks in a season, and they ain't getting $27 million per year. So I'm, I'm, I'm stunned by this, especially during the pandemic. And I really do think that the Chargers blinked hard because they knew in their hearts Joey Bosa was not going to show up or maybe even was considering opting out and being gone for the whole year and saying, I'll be back next year for my $14.36 million. You can give me a contract then. Well, yeah. I, I mean, hey, I mean, there's a lot to say here. First off, Joey Bosa is definitely, you know, in that conversation for one of the better defensive players in football. I mean, he well, is. Well, stop. Stop. What? Time out. Time out. Yeah. I like how you said that. Yeah. He's in the conversation for one of the better right. defensive players in football. Exactly. He's not in the conversation for the best defensive player in football. No, he's we not. we talk about the best defensive players in football, right. Nick is more likely to come up than Joey. Because there's this nagging sense he's never lived up to his potential, Chris, whether it's injuries or whatever. So all of a sudden, he rockets to $27 million per year. That's what's astounding to me. Yes, he's great. Yes, he's got the potential to be great. But $27 million per year? I'll tell you what. I, I just think that that, that, that holdout from four years ago, freaked the Chargers out. Well, maybe. And they decided, wait, wait we're going to pay him now. We're going to pay him later. Let's just go ahead and write the check. Yeah, write the check first off, you know. But he's, he's one of their guys. He's a top five pick. He loves football. He works hard as hell. So those are the kind of guys organizations like to reward, right? We know that just from that standpoint. And then, hey, listen, yeah, I don't look at him as the best player in football. Definitely. No, I don't. But – yeah, one of the better ones. He's certainly one of the best pass rushers in the game. I mean, he is. He's in that convo. Hey, I'll just for a little like, you know, a little clarity here. Khalil Mack, he was dancing around like 40 sacks his first 4 years. It was right around there. I didn't add up the math totally there, but it's something like that. You know, so you take the, the guy like that who got paid huge money. You know, Joey Bosa, yes, he's been he's only played two full seasons, but he's a dominant force. And then I think what add, added to that, Mike, is just the fact that he's also the perfect scheme fit. You know, again, that's the Seattle defense. That's why the 49ers drafted Nick Bosa and got D Ford. You know, that's why Seattle in their prime had Cliff Averill and Clemens off the edge and guys like Michael Bennett and all that. So, you know, this is important to the success of their overall scheme, too, let alone he's a homegrown guy. And, you know, 
there's not a lot of guys out there like him. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe I wouldn't put him in the top two, three pass rushers in football, but he's right there outside of that. He's in that next group. You know, do I think he's as talented as Miles Garrett? No, I don't. But, you know, and this is what you and I talk about all the time, right? Why why does this happen? What what is what is the deal with this? I don't think anybody should be paid more than Aaron Donald. I, if I was a GM, I'd go, "Wait, Aaron Donald makes this. He wait, let's look at the stats. Look, oh, oh, clearly he's the best defensive player in football. So why would anybody command more than that? That's where I just I'm I'm always confused by that by the owners and the GMs that they do that. Uh, there's not more of a fight. But regardless, this is the way the well, NFL is. Well, here's the is. response. Yeah, go ahead. Here's the response. Aaron Donald was two years ago. The market has changed. The cap has changed. Right. In a normal year, that flies. Yeah. What makes this more stunning is it's not a normal year. Teams are bracing for unprecedented losses. They're bracing to play games without fans present. Some would say the Chargers should be used to that. But at least they sell the tickets to the fans of the visiting team. Next year, the salary cap is going to be $175 million. So I, I want to see the structure. I want to see the cash flow. I, I always want to see the details, but I see enough so far to make me say, wow, Joey Bosa got a hell of a deal. And maybe the message to the guys who are entering the NFL, because we see so many of these rookies, they just sign their contract, sign their contract, sign their contract. The agents don't necessarily want to fight with the teams. There isn't a whole lot to negotiate about. Maybe if you drive a hard bargain on the way in, it sets the stage for you to get your second contract without or, a whole lot of pain and suffering. Yeah. Aaron Donald held out two training camps to get his eventually. Khalil Mack had to hold out and force a trade from the Raiders to get his. All Joey Bose had to do was show up for training camp number five, and there's the deal. So maybe there's some wisdom. You know, if you're going to go through a tussle with a team, first contract or second contract, yeah. maybe you go through it the first contract. Maybe it helps you avoid it the second one. Yeah, well, yeah, yes. I, you know, again, hey, squeaky wheel gets the oil in the NFL. You know, coaches they can they can claim all they want all the time that like, oh, you're you be good and you act like the team player. You know, we'll reward you. Blah 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 blah. Those are the guys they always crap on. The team players, the guy they always the first time somebody to blame. They're like, oh, I'll blame him because I know he won't talk back to me. Okay, and then the squeaky wheel who's might have messed up ten times in the game, he doesn't get anything said to him because they're scared he might talk back. But also, I think the Chargers probably feel a little, like, self-conscious. They're the ones that the, he held out in rookie minicamp. The contracts write themselves, as you always say. And they were trying to, like, put some stupid language in it that didn't make sense. The bottom line is, is it shocking? Yes, definitely. But it's not that shocking is what I'm trying to say. It's a big number. It's a lot of guaranteed money. But I think if you look at some other the people that are big-time talents in football – yeah, I mean, he's in the conversation with Miles Garrett. He's better than Demarcus Lawrence through four years. It's not even close. So, you know, from you look at it from that angle, DeForest Buckner, I know last year was awesome, but the first few years people were wondering if he was worth the top 10 pick and things like that. So, you know, I, I think from the standpoint of just the overall NFL, I understand Bosa getting this time type of contract. I guess I'm a little shocked that it blew everybody out of the water to this extent. Very quickly, yeah, and and you just have to give me a yes or no, or you pick one word answers. Joey Bosa or Miles Garrett? Miles Garrett. Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack? Ooh, that's a close one. Uh, I'd probably go that, Khalil Mack. I'd go, I'd go Khalil Mack, but it's close. Joey Bosa or Aaron Donald? I'm going Aaron Donald. Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa? Oh, gosh. I, yes, I like Nick Bosa more. Yes, I do. I do. And, man, damn, Joe, you're killing me. I like Joey Bosa a whole lot. But, yes, 
Yeah, those I'm are a special trying group. To sh- hey, but you're right. Trying to show what a good deal he got from the L.A. Chargers uh, because the, but after the production that, has not yet matched the potential. I know. The potential continues to be significant. No. After those guys, you're right. Joey wins. Yes. But that, but, but he's I getting know. $27 million a yeah, year on a five-year extension. Right. All right. Yep. we got to take a break. State of the franchise resumes with a team that many thought would be the worst in the league last year. They overachieved. How much can they build on that in 2020? We'll talk about that next year on Pro Football Talk. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We are up to number 26 on the list of the PFT 2020P preseason power rankings. And this is a team that was tanking for Tua, supposedly, last September. They didn't tank, and they still got Tua anyway, the Miami Dolphins. You know, finished strong down the stretch, rallied around Coach Brian Flores. A lot of reason for optimism. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that if we'd have looked at this list mid to late September last year, we would have laughed. There's no way they're going to be that high going into 2020. But they, they gave us reason to be somewhat optimistic, Chris, how optimistic are you, big picture, that this Dolphins team is in the process of becoming a contender, the only team other than the Patriots to win the AFC East in the past 17, 18 years? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's funny when you say it that way. You're like, oh, gosh, well, yeah, that was a, more than a decade ago now. But uh, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm about as excited about a roster turnover that I just saw with the Miami Dolphins over the last year as I can remember any time here in just the recent past. I mean, hey, what they've done in a year is phenomenal. I mean, they've, they've changed our whole outlook. You kind of just said it. I mean, we kind of went to a point of the year where we're like, I don't know if they're going to ever win a game. And then, you know, the last half of the year, they were competitive as hell. And then added to that with all the moves they made last year, tr- you know, trading guys to get money off their roster and off the, the salary cap and all that, but then you look at their additions this offseason and free agency and the draft. I mean, you could really argue the Dolphins won the offseason. I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Hey, Brian Flores came from New England. What does New England do? What are they famous for right now? Corners, secondary, one of the greatest pass defenses we've ever seen. Oh, well, now he's got that going on down there in Miami. Xavier Howard then pays big money to to Byron Jones. I mean, that's going to be arguably one of the best corner duos in all of football, but then killing it in the draft with the quarterback and good tackles, you know, value signings 
you know, with guys like uh, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba that, yeah, they're not going to be superstars, Mike, but they're guys that we know will fit that New England scheme. So I, I don't know. I couldn't be more excited about a new young tandem in all of football than I am about the Dolphins with Brian Flores and Chris Greer. I just, everything they've done so far, I've gone, damn, that's smart. Damn, that makes sense. Damn, that fits your team. And that's why I am excited about them going into the future here. Hovering over all of this is the quarterback question. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, no preseason to get Tua ready. I wonder whether some of these teams are going to platoon their quarterbacks in September and kind of treat it like a preseason, even though the games count. Who knows how many games they'll get in in September anyway. But there's a lingering sense around the league that Tua ultimately was an owner's pick. And that happens from time to time. Sure. That the owner gets involved and says, this is the guy I want. The owner wanted Joe Burrow. There was nothing they could do to get Joe Burrow, at least whatever they offered. The Bengals wouldn't accept for the trade from number five to number one. So they take Tua because Stephen Ross wants a franchise quarterback. They haven't had a franchise quarterback since Dan Marino, yada, yada. I still have concerns. Yeah, me too. About Tua from a health standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I know you have concerns beyond the health standpoint. You wonder, does that game translate to the NFL level? Is he truly a high-end quarterback or is it just benefiting from being in the Alabama system? I think that's the great unknown for this team. He's going to be on the field at some point. He's got to be on the field at some point. What are we going to see from him? Yeah, no, you're right. What are we going to see from him? Yeah, there's a lot that I do like, you know, and I, and I know, you know, I was one of those guys that you know, during the draft was certainly pushing back because people were telling me Tua is the greatest football player they've ever seen, and he's obviously the first pick of the draft and all that. And that's where you know sometimes you fight those narratives, and he's obviously a first-round pick. I was never trying to argue that. But, yes, I do want to see what Tua's all about. You know, Again, I know he's got a lot of great you know, natural things that he brings as far as a quarterback. He does have a good arm. It's not a great arm. It's a pretty quick release. You know, he's got he's got quick feet in the pocket. He's not necessarily fast and all that. But the one thing I will say over and over again, you know, is he plays small, and, of course, he was at Alabama. Now, there's two things from Alabama. There's a positive and a negative. One, I think adjustment to the NFL life, like we talked about with Joe Burrow, will not be that drastic. He's been coached like a pro. He's been in pro schemes, and he's played against and played with a lot of pro players. So he'll be ready for that. And then Shan Gailey being the offensive coordinator there, I think that fits to it too because it's going to be a short, quick passing game. Gailey's not famous for down-the-field passing attacks like that. And that's one of the negatives I look at with Tua. But you're right, Mike. That's, to me, the big question. I mean, Alabama's offense didn't stall when Tua got hurt and, and was out for the rest of the year last year. You know, So I, I want to see, is he capable of – doing more than what the system can deliver. And to me, that's what a top 10 pick should do, and that's still a big question for me. 21 of the last 30 first-round quarterbacks have started 10 or more games their rookie seasons. Over, under, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the starter by week seven. Chris, what do you got? Oh, I'm, I'm taking the under there, right? I, I think it's going to happen fairly early on in the year. You know, I just think it's one of those things, too, where if he shows he's healthy and everything like that, you know, just the owner, the fan base, everybody's clamoring. I mean, nobody crapped on me in social media more than the Miami Dolphins fans for where I put Tua in my quarterback rankings and things like that. They wouldn't give it up. I mean, I was talking about top five quarterbacks, and people were still tweeting about, I can't believe you put Tua at 40 or blah, blah, blah. So uh, I, I just think it's going to be too much to overcome. And I think, like we said, with Saban, Alabama, you know, that pedigree there already, he'll, he'll be ready to go as far as NFL is concerned. I think Fitzpatrick starts week one 
but you're right. At some point before week seven, it's going to be Tua. Devontae Parker had a big year last yes, year, 1,202 receiving yards. He's plus 3,700 to lead the league in receiving yards. That's $100 that turns into 3700 if he does take it the rest of the way. What's your over-under? Let's use last year, 1202. Yeah. Let's use 1202. Are you going, are you going over or are you going under? Oh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go over. I'm going to play this guy takes off. This guy's a superstar. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And this is the other point, and I'm glad you brought him up, Mike. Who else is on the offense to feature anything around right now? You know, that's where I just look. That's one of the issues I look at their team right now is go, who other than him is going to make a play on the offensive side of the ball? They got some solid but no great running back, and he's their only great receiver, and I think they're going to feed him to death. So I'm going to go he stays healthy and goes over 1,200. All right, real quickly, best case, worst case for the 2020 Miami Dolphins. I think best case is like, you know, they flirt with 500 right around there. You know, I, I think that's where I look at it. You know, not, not a playoffs. I don't think it's quite there yet. Pain in the butt, certainly. Lose some close games. But like best case, 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Worst case, man, they lose a lot of tough football games and they end up like 4-12 and 12 or 5-11. and 11. Yeah, worst case, they're in the mix for Trevor Lawrence, and then they really have a decision to make <laughs> for 2021. <laughs> then My they could God. have him and Josh Rosen and Trevor Lawrence. They could have three that, top yeah. ten picks on their <laughs> roster. Yeah, the, the guy <laughs> that the Cardinals dumped when they went with Kyler Murray, they could do the same thing to Tua next year if they get in position for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I think they're going to be competitive. Yep. But I agree with you, 500 or thereabouts is the best they can hope for. All right, let's take a break. When we return... Dalvin Cook was supposed to hold out, and then he wasn't going to hold out, and then he told the team he was going to be there, and then his agent said, I didn't tell the team anything. Tuesday came and went, and Dalvin Cook showed up. But what does it really mean between him and the Vikings? We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Dalvin Cook was going to hold out unless he didn't. He didn't. The report from June was, once he broke off, any involvement in the NF in the Vikings virtual offseason program, he's not showing up for camp without a reasonable extension. Well, he hasn't got an extension, but he showed up for camp. I think he recognized that there was a real downside to not showing up. He could still opt out, Chris. We floated that possibility. He yeah. could he could spend the next week suggesting via his agent that if he's not comfortable with what he's going to be making this year, maybe he just takes the year off. I don't know what that gets for him other than the Vikings recognizing they're going to have to go forward without Alexander Madison. But we've talked earlier in the week about this. They've, they've got that Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan running system, and they just plug in Alexander Madison or whoever else if they don't have Dalvin Cook. But he showed up. We have that clarity. But we also know he's still not happy with his contract. Will the Vikings say, hey, your contract is what it is. You make $1.3 million this year. We take it up next year. That's all to be determined. Uh, and uh, it will unfold over the course of the next week or two, I think. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, it's, again, the, 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 the continuing sad saga of the NFL running back. You know, yeah, hey, yeah, you can get to run up the middle for a million dollars and just get crushed and killed by every giant human on the planet. You know, and, oh, okay, you'll be damaged goods next year, so we'll have to take a little off of what you ask for next year. It's sad. It is. I hope they can find a way to sweeten the pot for them a little bit. But ultimately, Mike, I mean, I'm glad to see him there. I think it's the right approach, but Mike, I really think you're spot on. I I think he realizes, whoa, we got a pretty good team. They know how to run block. Kubiak understands how to run the football. And I think there's got to be a little fear in him to go, wait, if I sit out, 
what is this Alexander Madison going to do with all my carries? He might be – he knows how good that kid is. He knows too. So he, he's probably a little reluctant to go, I don't want to let that guy have, you know, 250 carries this year and maybe, you know, lead football and rushing or something. That will totally devalue me. So he's got to be worried about that, and I would think that's in his head a little bit. You know, the Vikings love Dalvin Cook. He's been praised by GM Rick Spielman. He's been praised by Coach Mike Zimmer. But the reality is – that's the position he plays. I remember when Ben Tate, the former Texans running back, who was like a second-round pick out of Auburn, I believe, he said very candidly after he took his swings at getting a contract, man, if I had to do it all over again, I'd have been a safety. I mean, we see what's happened to the running back position in the NFL. And the other okay. reality is this. Very rarely does a running back get big money from a second team. If you're going to get big money, it's going to be from the team that drafted and developed you, and we'll see what the Vikings will pay Dalvin Cook, if anything, this year. May have to just get through this year yeah. and take it up next year. All right, when we return, we're going to take up some quarterback issues. A number one overall pick is signed. Aaron Rodgers digging at a scab from April. Patrick Mahomes spending some of that big money that he got earlier in the month, all that, and plenty more as we move into our number two of Pro Football Talk Live on this Wednesday edition. Rodney Harrison also coming up in about a half hour. We'll be back with more right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 